This is Beers with Talos. Threats, Beers, and Most of Bliss. Welcome or welcome back to Beers with Talos. This is episode 97. Today is November 24th, 2020. And we're joined today, as usual, by Matt, missing Craig and Joel. But we do have, I'll go ahead and say it, one of my favorite guests we've ever had on this podcast. Joining us again today, uh, Wendy Nather from the Duo Group is here with us today. Wendy, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. And we're very excited to have you here. Matt, we're going to start off and uh, just kind of head around. How are you doing today, my man? Uh, I drew a penguin. You did. Yeah. Uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter in the background, I was, as I was reading through the paper we're going to talk about today, and there was an adorable um, video of penguins walking around a Chicago stadium. You know, they, they're like, like one of the kind of memes now is to let penguins walk around and look at stuff because they always look interested in things. <laughs> And so <laughs> that's what was going on, and it was adorable. So I drew a penguin in between taking notes about proactive tech refresh and well-integrated tech. You could just go ahead and send links to the penguins walking around exploring various places next time as well. That's also are you super Are you encouraging helpful. me to send you more Twitter links? Uh, yeah. Yeah, actually, I am. <laughs> I, I, I can't think... I shouldn't say I can't think of any time that I've had a bad time following one of those links because that's not true. <laughs> but, uh, Wendy, we, we had you come on today in addition to talking about our favorite whiskeys and the weird and wonderful whiskeys that you can find in your area of Austin, Texas. Uh, we did want to talk about the security outcome study. This is a study that was just released from Cisco that the your group sits behind and did a lot of the did a lot of the research. You recently put out a blog post on it as well. Uh, so we want to talk a little bit about the security outcome study. Going through the report, there was a lot of interesting stuff and a, just a lot of information. That was my first takeaway. I was like, yeah. holy crap, there's a lot packed in here. What would you like to know? <laughs> well, this is a big deal, right? Like this is this is not just a normal, like a, like a, a piece of a, like a, a marketing survey that we're throwing out into the ether to see if it makes sense to anybody. This was a major research undertaking um, by your group and by the security business group, by uh, several of our folks and thought leadership over there uh, to really get a better picture of what leads to better outcomes in security as opposed to just keeping up with the Joneses. That's exactly right. I, I mean, there are so many there's so many reports out there that are basically just describing what somebody's doing. But, and, you know, if I take part in a report like that and I send in and I answer a survey and I say, this is what I'm doing. And they come back and say, this is what you said you were doing. I go, well, yeah, uh, that's what I told you. This is not helpful to me. So, uh, but the thing is, we don't know what works in security. I will challenge anybody and fight them in the parking lot with or without COVID mask. That we don't know what works in security. Sometimes, Real words right there. Yeah, sometimes we <laughs> don't. Sometimes we know what doesn't work or what appeared not to work or, you know, because of the way it was done or whatever. But, you know, we can't give somebody a list and say, do this stuff and you will be fine. So we are trying to do this kind of research. So, um, and Cindy Vidaris, who's you know, our head of thought leadership on the uh, security business group side, 
um, was totally in for this for completely redoing our annual report. And we brought in Scientia, the Scientia Institute, which was founded by two folks who also founded the Verizon DBIR. And so... Basically a benchmark study in the industry. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's aware of that. Science, all the numbers, you know, lots of data science, all you can eat. And so um, Wade Baker and his team worked with us, first of all, to rethink what we were going to ask in surveys and also to see what we would identify as good outcomes in a security program. And it's not just don't get hacked. There are other things that you CISOs consider to be a, you know, a goal to, to reach for in a security program. And some of them are minimizing unplanned effort, uh, which is really hard when you are running behind the business reacting to what they're doing. Um, recruiting and retaining talent, uh, getting buy-in from your management and from your peers. So we have a total of 25 security practices. Uh, that we asked 4,800 respondents around the world if they were doing it, and if so, how much, and then about 11 outcomes, and asked them how successful they thought they were at getting those outcomes. And we didn't ask them to match them up or anything. You know, if you, you know, did you get this outcome because you did this practice? We didn't ask them that. We just asked them practices and outcomes separately. And then we did, well, I didn't do uh, but but Scientia did the data science magic of seeing if there were correlations, and if so, by how much. And we got a lot of surprises, which is why um, it's really important for me to say at the outset that this was a double-blinded study. We didn't know who was answering these questions, and they didn't know who was asking them. So when you read the report and you see that the top two practices that appear to get the most correlation with the most number of outcomes are proactive tech refresh and using integrated technology, you're first going to go, well, of course, Cisco would say that because they're trying to sell you stuff. But I promise you, we we did not know this was going to happen. And so it's a, a very, very interesting set of results and, uh, you know, we're as puzzled by it in some cases as you are. So, and that's what's exciting about research. Are we though? Is don't use broken stuff and make using <laughs> stuff easy really? <laughs> like, are we that surprised? I don't well, know. Well, <laughs> you know, I've always thought that maybe it was a um, kind of a Silicon Valley thing, like newer is better. Oh, you always have to have the new stuff. Um, new emojis, you know. Are new emojis going to help in security? <laughs> I don't think so. So Security Twitter, on the other hand, Yes, maybe. Maybe. maybe it's true. Um, but, you know, this might be a cultural thing because there are a lot of people around the world who treat tech like they treat furniture. You know, use it until it breaks. This is one of the things that public sector security struggles with a lot because it's good stewardship of taxpayer money to say we're going to use this until there's a really good reason why we can't anymore. And um, so they're always working with legacy systems. So is this a cultural thing? Well, now that we're looking at the results of this particular report, and we, we might want to see if we can replicate these and see if we can do some more research and either disprove it or 
you know, try to prove it even more. If it's true that you can't do good security without refreshing your technology all the time, what does this mean for the people who can't? What does this mean for organizations yeah. that can't afford it? it? You know, are they doomed to fail? Uh, th- this is, you know, a, a big question that's keeping me up at night. Well, and sometimes it's not even a question of afford, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, patching isn't always a question of affording. Right. It's sometimes a question exactly. of capability or mm-hmm. like ability to do that. Uh, Matt, you've had a chance to to look through this report now too. Uh, what were some of your takeaways from this? I mean, there's a lot of data. Well, he here. drew a penguin. So right there, he did draw a penguin. penguin. You know well, that I, this means something. It's- 40 pages long, and I suffer from debilitating ADHD. I absolutely <laughs> took a break to draw a penguin in the middle of this. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, the, the, I actually, what I thought, and I, this is what I, this is, this is one of my analytic techniques that I've kind of is like, it's sort of similar to kind of like long tail, low frequency kind of look at. I looked at what didn't work. Yeah. And it's like my favorite two, like 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 my favorite two things. Uh, there's right, way at the end, and I took a I took a bunch of notes. But way at the end, there's this uh, there's this grid report that essentially says this is what percentage of of attribution to success we were able to supply for each of these things. And there were two that apparently, like by the methodology that we used, and I want to word it carefully. Provided no value in terms of success. <laughs> now, it, they clearly say in that table, it doesn't necessarily mean. Yeah. Yeah, but this is what. Right about, this it was is just what, statistically now, insignificant. This is, math monkeys do this all the time. <laughs> math monkeys are like, we did this whole thing. And like, there's this weird thing. Just math. Ignore it. Yeah. Like, maybe it was a thing. No, these two things useless. <laughs> One. This is this and and, and actually the, the first time I got a I sense that this was gonna, favorite. The, well, the first one I is the one. one that they called out themselves, um, which is not my favorite. Uh, that one is somebody owns compliance. Yeah, yeah. No and correlation the, the fact, with any security outcomes, <laughs> including successfully reaching compliance, yeah, which yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter if someone's in charge of it. But the other thing that I thought was interesting especially given that is is compliance only about 50 percent of companies reported successful as reaching compliance which i think is also very interesting um uh so but the other one that showed no value um and, and i completely agree with is identifying top cyber risks i knew it i knew you were going to focus on that one and you, why do you agree with it though because successful security is about doing the right thing consistently over time, not reacting to something that you just learned. Like, so if you are proactively engaged, if you have good monitoring, if you have good detection, if you have good people, if you have good tools, and you are going through day to day, you've minimized false positives, you've got an incident response process, you, it is good to know that there's something out there that you you need to, to make sure you can go back and, and check to make sure that your control is control. But if you have a solid process, that will already have been accounted for. And the fact that somebody wrote a report that suddenly this thing is bad, you'll be like, yeah, well, we got that under control this way. 
And so I, I think those those moments in time aren't as important as 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 excellence over time. That that is a great because to be honest, I was kind of scared to come on the podcast and bring this to you, and you were going to go. What do you mean? You know, I, knowing what your your security risks are appears to have no correlation with good security outcomes. But the way you describe it makes sense, and it also makes sense that there are a lot of basics that you need to be doing in order to be able to take advantage of that knowledge to be to be able to react to them. It depends on how you read that identifying top cyber risks. Yeah, I kind of read that as external cyber risks mm-hmm. like what new vulnerability it is or what actors are doing or et cetera, et cetera. And, and like, have you read the right blog or are you following the right people on Twitter? And, and the thing that I thought about when I read that was I've never seen an IR report come back and go, if you had just read this blog from two weeks ago, you would have known that this was happening and you could have patched for it. That's never the recommendation. It's always like this CVE was released eight months ago and then happened to be, you know, that you missed it on the patching. Of the, I don't know how many, it was a 25, 30 items um, that, that make up the, the horizontal axis of that chart there, identifying top security risks and someone owning compliance are two that are very squarely targeted at best laid plans oriented thinking as opposed to taking some sort of action, like immediate action Mm -hmm. to like work here and now in the environment. And that's why it didn't surprise me. Being prepared and knowing what's out there, that's all great. What, What actually matters is where the rubber meets the road. Is your technology stack getting updated? Are all the things that you're putting in easy to use, unobtrusive to the workforce, and actually helpful to everybody involved? Like those kind of things are are very different than those two items. Yeah, yeah. and on the on the flip side, the proactive tech refresh thing also made it just a, a ton of sense, especially as I dug through the various success markers that you had used. So, like for example, successful retention of of, of talent. Uh, Top of line, proactive tech refresh. Well, yeah, because people get to use the latest stuff and that they're not stuck on old stuff and they're not fighting legacy problems. They are fighting current problems with current technology, with current understanding, not having to wedge it back into this old kind of approach. Nobody and wants also, to be nobody wants to be the OS2 guy, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um you there had actually you had said something. There was a um uh, absolutely no one enjoys wasting their time and talent overcoming bad tech. That was one of the quotes that I had pulled out of the out of the out of the report. And that was a great kind of explanation. But it also, depending on how you interpret that, also reduces threat surface. Uh, it, it like make sure that you're not suddenly finding Windows XP laying around somewhere, that your patching is current, that you have modern methodology. Like just it just makes Everybody involves life easier if you are using modern technologies. And th- this is one of the things where, you know, where you can see in the appendix exactly what questions we asked the uh, in the survey. And you can speculate how they were interpreted and how we could change those questions in the future to, to get maybe a little closer to what we want to know. But you're right. There is a little bit of unevenness in the ways that we asked about these practices and things like that, like having sufficient security tech, those who said that they prioritize having sufficient security tech, 
they are correlated with a few outcomes like gaining executive confidence. Is that really the case or, you know, it, it is are the executives confident because you finally told them, yes, OK, now we have enough technology? There's definitely a a rich get richer sort of possibility here in terms of if you're this kind of organization that can state, yeah, we, we refresh our tech platforms. You, to be frank, you're in the front five, 10 percent of that. that where's of the cause? Where's the effect? Right. right? Yeah. 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 Um, and also like some of the other ones. So there's the big four. So the four that seem to affect every successful metric was proactive tech refresh, well-integrated tech, and then timely incident response and prompt disaster recovery, which are two of the hardest asks that you can make of an organization. Um, and, and like we just see consistently that 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 is a that is a flat hard ask. And if you can say yes to those four things, you're already doing the other stuff or the other stuff is of such low um like it's not something you even worry about. It just takes care of itself as part of your 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 natural security program. It's interesting to look at, you know, as you said, what what appears to correlate, what does not appear to correlate, and you can spend a lot of time looking at this one matrix and go, well, if I want to achieve this outcome, meeting compliance regs, then. I need to do these four practices in the front. I also need to make sure that I am prioritizing, um, you know, using automation effectively. It all, you know, make sure that we're we're doing these things. And the the other thing, and this is the data sciencey thing that I probably won't explain well, but because of the way that we looked at statistical significance, if everybody was doing something then it didn't register as a distinguishing practice that would, you know, get you closer to a security outcome. So that's the other thing to think about. If everybody says that, um, you know, that they are doing um, timely incident response. Well, actually, no, that's not a good one. If everybody yeah, says say, that one, they're lying. Yeah. <laughs> if everybody says they're reviewing security measures. Okay. And that's, you know that that that's great. Everybody can probably say that some of them are doing it well, some some of them are doing it badly, some of them are wrong, some of them are reviewing them but not doing anything about them. And therefore, when you when you spread that out, it 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 doesn't really correlate in a statistically significant way with any of these outcomes because it's kind of getting diluted by you know the whole population and. So that's something else that we, we need to, you know, get um, data scientists back in for and say, how could, how could we tweak this to see if, if we could get rid of this statistical effect? Mm -hmm. Get rid of the statistical effect or, or, or better incorporate a behavioral aspect to how you crunch the data, right? Yeah. I mean, we look at the behavioral indicators of malware and attacks and things like bits and bytes that live on systems – there's somebody way more qualified than probably any of us to talk about the the behavioral science aspect of what this data actually means. Yeah, yeah. It might also be interesting to kind of to take the things that seem to be highly effective and try to break them down into more component parts mm -hmm. and kind of figure out like what what's making the the dog happy here is you know 
it the food? Is it the play? Is it the water? Is it, you know, what is it? Um, that's really driving the success well, there. If my experience is any indication, paper towel rolls will like drive the sock nuts. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll, that'll do it. And, and in fact, yeah, like proactive tech refresh, which tech? Is there specific tech that you want to focus on um, that actually will get you closer to these outcomes than other stuff? Like, yes, you should always be refreshing this, but you don't have to worry as much about that. Um, that's the sort of thing I was just talking with Sunil Yu about, about that. Um, and we may explore that in a future podcast episode because uh, he has some theories also about what kind of tech are we talking about here? Are we talking about IT tech? Or are we talking about security tech? Is it a combination yeah. of both? Because the way we asked it, we asked about security and IT. So we'd have to right. split those out, get much more specific. Also with an anonymous survey, with a double blind survey, you know, people can be wrong, people can lie, and you just can't tell. Yeah, but you hope you hope that works itself out in terms of yeah, you would, the number. You, you would hope so. Um, but it would be really cool to take, you know, some organization and really look at, okay, they say they're doing it. Are they really doing it? And then how much statistical effect does it actually have on their outcome? And are there any other confounding circumstances that, that mess this up? One thing that you mentioned in the the blog post that you wrote um, preceding the launch of the report, Wendy, and we'll put a link to that blog post as well as to the report, of course, in the show notes, um, was that you you were looking at this is is in terms of the the most successful outcomes came from what appeared to be uh, more well rounded security programs. When you're looking at things in terms of uh, the NIST, NIST security framework, so they weren't necessarily focusing on on one aspect of that, or just focusing on, say, uh, protection above all else. We've already the, real quick. The identify was one of the top contributors, right? Yeah, the, the protect the, uh, was one of the lower contributors. Yeah, the identify function in the cybersecurity framework, uh, which is different from you know just identifying your cybersecurity risks. Um, Identify is the function that a lot of different practices and, and tools and technologies do. Everything from, you know, asset discovery and management to, um, um, you know, identity management um, and, and things like that. Um, we found that the identify function correlated the most with uh, more successful outcomes than the other CSF functions and protect was next to last in the number. That's the part I thought was really interesting it, it when was. you look at it at face value. Yeah. And again, maybe that's a, 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 a statistical effect because everybody does protection. Everybody, everybody, you know, if you've got a firewall and AV, those are in the protect bucket. Everybody's doing that. And you may report better or worse outcomes uh, as a result, and that kind of dilutes it, but it looks like to us that people who prioritize and say that they're doing a lot of functions that are in the identify bucket are also reporting more successful outcomes. And maybe it's just as simple as if you're not, you know, proactively checking to see what you have and monitoring everything that you have, identifying constantly, part of that is detection, right? If you're, oh, we've got new stuff on our network or we're, you know, there's been a configuration change. 
that's very important. It may be that having those capabilities are, you know, make you much more mature and therefore better able to respond and recover and detect and, and everything else. Um, so statistically speaking, the ones who are focusing on that are doing better uh, than the ones who are just throwing in a protect and forgetting about it. Yeah, I think I think that's really, really insightful. Like it is definitely in my mind um, further down the maturation path to kind of being able to, to really nail down those identify, have a good inventory not being overrun by your dev and IT folks to the point where you don't know what's out there, how what you're defending or any of that kind of stuff. You're able to have enough visibility to know what you have, what state it's in, what's behind, what's current, all that other stuff. All that's part of part and parcel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and that's not to say that identify is easy. It's not. No, it's really it, hard. It's really, really hard. <laughs> and therefore you might argue that the ones who say that they are doing it successfully have really strengthened those muscles and they're able to do what a lot of us can't. And uh, therefore they have a lot of extra mad skills that we should be learning from. Um, yeah, it's, it, there, there's so much to think about here and what I would really love to hear from the community and, and from y'all in particular is how could we make this research better for next year? What should we try to focus in on? What should we try to replicate? What should we try to disprove? Um, and, you know, we'll just, you know, keep trying to zero in on what really freaking works. So just to be abundantly clear, you did just ask the Beers with Talus audience to complain to you about what's wrong with your report. Yes, yes. Just I, put I, like this one, make I, sure that that's what we wanted. Okay, okay. Well, I yeah. figure they will anyway. And <laughs> in, in a lot of cases, they may be absolutely right. And I'm saying, you know, this is our first effort in this. And it's not, uh, I, I saw a great uh, placard that said, of course, we don't know what we're doing. That's why it's called research. So, uh, you know, this is actual research where we're fit, trying to figure this out together. So, uh, yes, absolutely. And one thing I wanted to um, point out here is that like with this, this kind of research, we're not talking about a straight zero sum game mm -hmm. with any of these numbers, right? So because in one area, you know, having the, the right amount of employees in the right position, um, while that will contribute to success in some given percentage of organizations, not having that doesn't necessarily negate success by the same percentage. Correct. Like this Correct. isn't a, a give or take zero sum kind of a thing. Yeah. And this is what to start thinking about and what to have a discussion about in your organization. Why do you think this is? How would we have answered this? Because all the questions are in the back, even if they didn't do the survey. If they want to try to rate themselves, they may learn something about their organization just by trying to, to answer the questions. Uh, and say, what what are we focusing on that maybe we should be deprioritizing or what should we be doing more of? It's true that if they go to their boss and say, we need to refresh all the things all the time. And the boss says, well, that's great, but we you know have a 2% margin in this business and you're not getting it. Then the question is, okay, what can we do instead? Because there's still plenty of other things to do instead. We close this report with, uh, you know, kind of the roadmap to success. Um, how would you encourage 
people who are sitting in a sock or have a, a small team that they're managing or or the the you know CXO in charge of security for a given organization how how would you encourage them to get on and like kind of chart their position and and work their path forward on that roadmap um i would start by looking at the outcomes that they really want to focus in on um like well avoiding major incidents duh but uh, you know um, usually helpful minimizing unplanned work is a really interesting one because that that is also very hard to do but you see a whole row of practices that show some sort of correlation, some means of contributing to that. So if you want to minimize unplanned work, not only do you want to prioritize accurate threat detection, you want to be able to use automation effectively. You want, um, let's see, what else we got that might surprise you? Vulnerability deadlines that may not be in the SOC's purview but you may be able to go to somebody and say, look, if we don't have deadlines, we're not going to be able to minimize unplanned work um, as much as we want to. Role-specific training is another correlation. Um, you know, Do you want to, to um, be more specific about what you're training people to do instead of just doing a gen- generic awareness training? Teaching sysadmins, for example, these are the things you should be looking for even though you're not in the SOC. Um, you know, so there, there are lots of ideas in here. Um, I'm sure you have some more. What I would say is since nobody who's listening to this has probably read this report, let, let me just say that um, I read Don't the entire – Don't read the report. Yeah, I read the entire 40-page report. It is a super easy read. Um, it is it – is, um, full uh like like there's definitely the the charts and statistics but the what i really enjoyed was how casual the language was because that's sort of kind of what i like uh when i'm reading something that's kind of thick like this um but also interspersed with like really insightful kind of thoughts about you know maybe this means this maybe this means but that you know more research will be needed so it really does kind of give you some insight into um, not just the numbers and what, what, you know, the, you know, this is higher than this and this is higher than this, but also some thoughts from, from, I presume the CISO team over at Duo, um, about, you know, why this might be and what, and that'll help you, uh, to kind of then make decisions about how to interpret that data and apply it to what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. No, we made the, the 42 joke, like the answer to life, <laughs> the world, you know, everything. But you're going to come away from this report with probably more questions. And if you read the report carefully, those questions are going to be very germane as to your steps to success, your next steps forward, and give you those places to start looking and to start planning. And that's, that's what I think I was most excited to see about the report. Yeah. Now, I need to ask, Matt, a very important question. As a fellow ADHD person, what is your favorite yes. fidget while reading a report like this? Um, it depends on. So the other the other kind of thing that I have that that goes along with that that executive functioning thing with the ADHD is very cyclical interests. And so people who have listened to this podcast for a long time will be able to track the weird things that I say in our intros. So like right now, I'm just sketching a lot. Um, so I've got like eyes and arms and penguins and just stuff all over it as I kind of like just have to like take a break and do something that isn't processing and, and, and interpreting data and then kind of 
go back. So I don't have like a physical fidget like people kind of think of now. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it's really just kind of like making marks on a page and try to make them look like something. Okay. Yeah, I tend to like things that um, I can roll between my fingers, like fingertips, like a rubber band. If I'm sitting here reading mm-hmm. something like this with my other with my fingers, I'll just be rolling a rubber band in between them, or um, you know, f- folding the corner of an envelope, or you know, something like that. Yep, that all sounds familiar. And also, I have a sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who. Nice. And it's got a little switch so I can flip the light on and off. And that's also very satisfying to just sit there with my thumb and turn it on and off while I'm reading something. So there that you is, go. That's there you one. go. We, we, we have to take care of all I did have to get rid of like the, oh, yeah. this one. Yeah, the clicky clicky. Yeah. Especially, especially recording. Like I thought there was something wrong with my mic when we first started this podcast. <laughs> I was like, I, I got a bad ground or something. I don't understand what this click. No, it was, it was me <laughs> clicking pens the whole damn time that my mic was picking up. So. Yeah, uh, when they had when that when the uh, fidget cubes came out mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Yep, yep. Um, Got one everybody of those. at Talos had a fidget cube, and everyone in Talos that does not have ADHD threatened the life of everybody else <laughs> who had the fidget cubes because it was just constant noise. Yeah, yeah. On the fidget cube, which part is your favorite? It's uh, for me. It's the clicky ones. Like they have to make yeah. a little bit of the noise. Like they have to be yeah. tactile and make a little the, noise. The little I like the five buttons. Yeah, the buttons I, love the five I like buttons. those. Yeah, but they have to have different pressure on each button. Mm. Or it just yeah, some work. click, some don't. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. I, I, I rotate through all of them, including the little roller ball and, and the, the big switch. But yeah, that's why I use a rubber band because rubber bands are silent and I can just roll them between my fingers. And that gives me, you know, something that's reasonably quiet when I'm on, when I'm recording. See, y'all came here for security knowledge and you left with how to not piss off your coworkers with your ADHD. <laughs> See, like there you go. There you go. Two for one. We probably need to start heading toward wrapping this one up. Wendy, it's been an absolute joy, and we absolutely love having you on here, especially with the weird whiskeys that you bring to share. I have to find this uh, Shinerbach whiskey now, straight out of Texas, and see if I can somehow get it delivered. It is it is a limited edition. I've not been able to find it for a few months. They may be out, but I promise you I will save some. And if we ever manage to be together again i will i will share gonna happen, some, I, I, I will give, gonna you, give you some yeah. definitely matt any closing thoughts parting shots on the report or anything else before we go today um i do know that there are some more security outcomes blogs coming um down the pike so look for those um uh i think, I think kind of more thoughtful um more thoughtful writing about about what's going on underneath the numbers is going to be really interesting, especially as they start slicing and dicing it. Yeah, there's lots of stuff we couldn't fit in here. Um, so there will be additional director's cut editions coming out and other cool stuff that we just couldn't fit in the report. So look for all of that. Hmm. Any other closing thoughts or parting shots, Wendy? Uh, Anything you just want to leave the audience with in general? Um uh, just, you know, go forth and question because uh, that's that's what we all do best. Yeah, this really is one of those kind of, hey, have you noticed sort of research papers 
not like a hey did you know but hey did you notice and like how does that how does that um what does that make you think about inside of your enterprise it's not one of those we're coming there's nothing in this paper that comes across as you need to do this it is very much a we're going to present you with some information and some some kind of topology to how that information lies in comparison to other things what does that that lay of that land what, how does that speak to you in your role at your organization? I, it's, it's a really neat, I, I really, it, it's the end of the year. There's a time, I've got a folder full of end of year reports. Really was the easiest kind of most thought provoking report that, that I've got in front of me so far. Oh, can I quote you on that? Can I quote, I, I, sure. I, I know my, my colleague's going to love that. Yeah, whoever wrote that, I, I feel like there's a lot of Wendy in this report, kind of just some of the asides. Uh, but but the people, the group of people that I'm sure are behind this paper did a really good job. Thank you again, Wendy, for stopping by. Uh, we will see you all again in just a couple weeks when we will have, well, actually, we'll see you, uh, you know, a little bit later on in the year with our yeah. centennial episode Ooh. coming up. Ah. We encourage you all to stay safe and have a good holiday season. And until then, cheers. See you.